Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Thank you for allowing us to worship and give you devotion for the peace and the joy that's around our lives. Thank you for our family and friends. Thank you for those who desire uh, to usher in your blessing to their lives, to their family uh, in, in epic proportion, not according to the ability of man, but to the proportions of your spirit and be glorified and be exalted. And we thank you for the plans you have for us upon the earth to change the world and to restore nations uh, so that your glory covers the earth like the waters cover the sea. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to uh, start that, that this progression of the Lord creating uh, influence upon the earth is, is huge with respect to... Um, the plans of God. If we, if we don't line up with the plans of God, then what happens is that fear takes uh, takes takes prominence. It, it comes into our life. Um, there's a lot of feelings feelings that come and, and conquer. Uh, they conquer our emotions. Um, They conquer our emotions so we can never even uh, think that God is going to usher in. Revelations 11.15, real important that we, we should have this verse underlined and highlighted in our Bibles. When we're talking about world-changing city of faith, um, we're talking about God's plans for the earth. And there, uh, John the revelator, revelator, that's it, revelator, he's seeing things in the future that he needs to find out what the interpretation is. So as he sees these angels, he says here in Revelations eleven fifteen, the seventh angel sounded, and he's looking at these things, and there were loud voices in the heavens, and the words they were speaking, and this is, this is what's called prophecy, it's things that are going to happen in the future. The kingdoms of this world. You start enumerating all the gathering governments that are upon the face of the earth. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. So every realm upon the earth and, and you decide whether you want it to be the US of A, if you want it to be Haiti, if you want it to be uh, Asia, Africa, uh, doesn't matter where on the earth there's a kingdom and that speaks of there's a king, there's somebody who's on the throne uh, dictating laws, the kingdoms of this world have been transferred over to, the, to become the kingdoms, have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. So, for whatever it's worth, uh, 
the hype on television, ISIS, ISIL, uh, the Islamic faith, uh, the different religions in the world, at the end, um, there's going to be an overriding kingdom. The kingdom of heaven will prevail. Light always prevails over darkness, and, and there will be no doubt. The Bible even emphatically says in Philippians chapter 2 that there's not going to be one knee left unbowed to the acknowledgement of Christ. Uh, there's, there's, there's not going to be an issue. Everyone will stand and have their opportunity. Philippians chapter 2, and uh, we could start reading in verse... Um, Mm-hmm. Right there in verse 10, um, the, the declaration and the hallmark of this is that the, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Those in heaven, those on earth, and those are under the earth. Every, every created uh, expression. Verse 11, every knee shall bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Christ to the glory of God the Father. So in this realm, we're still living in the here and now where there are pockets of territorial, geographic, and political uh, uh, understanding that do not know, that do not see, that do not feel. Um, the expression, the Bible says that, that darkness um, has not shined. And when you're seeing that, um, darkness has not shined so that they might understand. Um, and the light has not shined and darkness is covering like a, like a, um, like a blindfold. When you, when we're going to see something that when you see it, you're like, how come nobody else sees it? Um, and the reason is because they're still being held behind blindfolds. Second um, Corinthians 4, 4. Paul writes about this, understanding the why some people do not sell out completely. He says, whose mind, their thoughts, their, their sentiment, their will, their wants. The God of this age has blinded who do not believe. They, they have not seen the reality of the faith we profess. They do not believe because if they believe the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So in that regards, um, you'll see the minds of the God of this age um, it's, it's fascinating because these people know how to go to dayland and they know how to spend money till it comes, you know, they, they know how to do things upon the earth. But when it comes to faith, they're lost. They don't see anything. And um, they know how to do natural things real quickly. They know how to uh, use their talents and their giftings for darkness. But, but it seems hard for them to be able to transform um, their surroundings. Uh, we're going to go into people like Abraham uh, in Hebrews eleven nine. The Bible says, because 
he saw what God was showing him. This is Abraham. Uh, By faith, he dwelt in the land of promises, as in a foreign country. So I I want you guys to get this real quick. Um, When you're seeking to fulfill God's pleasure, you're an alien to this world and a member or citizen of a spiritual world. So you're doing things by faith, by believing and trusting God and waiting upon God. And when you're, when you're down here upon the earth, you're just following the trends of what your parents taught you. And so he lived as a foreigner in this land. He didn't belong to the world or its order. Dwelling in tents. Um, if you know anything about this earth, a man who doesn't have faith is rooted in earthly belongings. He, he, if he has a lot of earthly belongings, he's happy. And if he loses them, he's sad. And nothing has happened. But uh, a man of faith is dwelling in a temporary. He's just passing through. I'm going to be a blessing in my lifetime. I'm here to be a blessing for God in the earth, and I'm out of here. I'm not here to impress uh, men. Uh, we walked into um, St. Augustine. Uh, those of you that don't know, uh, Henry Flagler was a prominent multi-billion, trillion, gazillion, endless amounts of money in Florida. That Flagler Street that's here in Miami is after his name. And he, he was the partner of Rockefeller. So both of them built the, the train tracks that crossed America in the 1900s. How many know that? Seriously, raise your hand if you knew that. Okay. A lot of us don't. I, I saw Flagler for many years, and I didn't even know who the heck the guy was until I went to St. Augustine. And that was his first summer home. And he created a city there. And, and he didn't like that place because too many mosquitoes. So he went down and started the Breakers Hotel, right, in, in West Palm. This guy... Just gazillion, whatever he wanted. Um, when he moved into St. Augustine, he liked the place in St. Augustine that there was a church there. And he might have been Methodist and the church was Baptist or he was Baptist, the church was Methodist, whatever the case is. But he told the Baptist church, he says, listen, I want to build my Methodist church right where your building is. And they said, Mr. Flagler, you are insane. He goes, look, I'm going to give you, and he gave him a large money, and I'm going to grab your whole building, lift it up. I'm going to move it three blocks, and I'm going to put it over there, and I'm going to give you a nice, and you're going to have gazillion bucks. And they said, okay, that's, that's a done deal. So, so, so these guys are moving. Now, the scenario is the guy's gone. It's gone. And it doesn't matter what he did when he was here. It had no impact in this world for the purposes of eternity in the next world. So along those lines, there were men like Abraham who says, I know I could stay in Ur, which is the city his parents were from and doing his own thing. Or I can move by faith in an atmosphere of God to the city and, 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 and this, is, this is why it says this. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promises. That's faith. What has God promised? And then he was dwelling in tents. It wasn't a structured, it wasn't a fascinating still place upon the heirs with him of the same promises. Why? Why was he doing this? Verse 10. Because he was seeking a city whose foundations 
whose builder and whose maker is God. Now, in order for you to understand that the guy was not loony, and God did not not build a city, and he was the architect of a great existing place, um, this realm was in the realm of faith. This realm is he's inheriting to become the father of a nation that is still around to this day. He says, you'll be a father of multitudes. You'll be a father of a nation. And so we have today Israel, uh, the geographical limits uh, upon the earth. But there's a city in Israel called Jerusalem. Jeru, city, Salem of peace. It's a place that this man pursued to leave a descendant for all those who would come after him. So in that regards, um, I want to tell you that you're not upon the earth to be a Henry Flagler. You're not on the earth to manipulate some temporary existence, but you're on the earth to seek those things created by God that would move nations for generations. So I was in that um, church that Henry Flagler built in St. Augustine. And you go into a, a maybe 12 by 12 little room. You go in and every pastor that has ever pastored that church, his picture is up there. 1900s, if you spit 100 years, I don't, I don't, maybe, maybe even more. But you do the math. It's like 10, 15, 20 years in those times because of health issues and other stuff, you would, you would lose your pastor. So they have the picture of the first pastor, the second pastor, the third pastor, the fourth pastor, the fifth pastor, all the way around in a circle. And I'm thinking, okay, which one of these guys is me? Because I will be here for a blink of an eye in terms of our earthly realm and existence. And then it's the next guy. And then it's the next guy. And it's the next guy. And the question is, who... If, if, I was, if I was pointing at Louis Rodriguez, I said, Louis Rodriguez, 50 years ago in the city of Miami, who was the structural engineer department head for the city of Miami? And he'd say, Joe, who knows who? Has no, no weight of relevance in our existence and in our life. And, and he did a great job. But he was not tapped in to God's glorious plan. He was not moving the city for the sake of God's glory upon the earth. And so people like Abraham said, you know, I could stay with dad and I could stay in the earthly realm and I could, I could be Ur's mayor. I could be Ur's governor. He decided to be the father of faith. He has left not only an earthly existence in the city of Jerusalem, but he is our example who are to follow after his character attributes of walking with God. And so there is no, there is no, we're, we're flying high now. How many feel like an eagle right about now? We're like, whoa. We're, we're tapping into what God wants mankind upon the earth to tap into. And so he will say like this. He, God says like this in Matthew 11, verse 16. He says, there are no more men like Abraham that are aspiring to the heights of God's purpose. There's a lot of Henry Flaglers. 
There's a lot of guys that think that just the, the acquisition of, of earthly terrain and, and economics is great. But he says, what shall I compare this generation? Now, this is not Abraham's time. This is Jesus' time. And he says, I'll give you the answer of how I can measure this generation. There are a bunch of kids that they're playing on the, in the marketplace calling to their companions. Hey, what did you buy today? Hey, what did you sell today? Hey, what are you going to buy tomorrow? Hey, whatever. And they're just in a realm. They're not even playing. I mean, they're, not, they're not at the table. of. They're not at God's table listening to God and transacting business that shakes our earthly existence, that, that, that causes. So to, to what shall I compare this generation? He says to children. To immaturity, to people that we do a lot of things. You see men, they sit around the table and say, how much did you trade today? And how, what time did you sell? And what time? And how did you save? That yesterday I was driving in my car and I was thinking about all the foolish men that are working on their portfolio and in our, their IRS, uh, their retirement accounts and their 401ks and their KO13s and, and, and CDs and all this. And, and come here, Brandon, come here real quick. I'm going to show you my 401k. <laughs> this is my investment right here. My son. Come here, Nick. Here is my portfolio. My older son, Nick. Josh, come here. And so our pouring in to sons that know God. Here's my third retirement portfolio. I'll give my life, I'll give my health, I give my wealth, I give my best. When all my friends were buying Porsches and Mercedes, and they're like, what car do you drive? I'm like, I'm going on a Honda. But here's my Ferrari, my Lamborghini, and my Bentley. And yesterday I was driving on the car and I said, what fools are men that think that they could grab their money and stick it into accounts and accounts and accounts and each one of their son curses them because they have not given the best to those who deserve the best. So I'll keep them in, 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 in horrible conditions and I'll be selfish against them and I'll hate them and I'll be arguing with them and I'll see them as the ones who take my food, my wife, my, my house. No. The blessings of God are sons upon the earth. God has taught us that. Thank you, guys. Awesome. And so this is what we do by faith. We walk like God walks by faith. And I'm excited. I told you it was going to be a world-changing night tonight. And so there will be men here who will capture it and who will see it. And there will be men here who says, have mercy on me, pastor. I still don't get it. I still don't know where faith leads me. I don't have any faith. I don't have any understanding. I have no wisdom. And the Bible says in James chapter 1, uh, verse 5, to ask God for wisdom. Ask God to see if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Let God open your eyes. Let, it, let you be able to see what God sees. Because you're a fool that you have not been able to inherit the city whose maker is God. Because you're walking in your own wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. He gives abundantly to all without reproach. It will be given to him. So let's go ahead and watch this video. And, and if you don't see God here, you're blind as a bat.
If you don't see faith here, you know something? Ask God for mercy. If you don't see what God is able to do when somebody opens up their heart and their life and their family and their city to God, you won't be able to walk in it. And this is for you guys to see it. Amalunga was an extremely poor village. This was a community in total poverty and alcohol addiction. Violence, ignorance, witchcraft, the occult, idol worshiping. In a few kilometers, we'll be entering the town of Almalonga. The city's 20-some thousand inhabitants have made a conscious choice to sever the continuum with ancestral spirit worship. As a consequence, Almalonga is today one of the cleanest, most prosperous towns in all of Guatemala. It's a city of churches. Many cite Almalonga as a world-class example of community transformation. It may very well be. As many as 8 out of 10 residents now consider themselves born-again Christians. But it hasn't always been like this. Just 20 years ago, Almalonga was a dark and dangerous place. Suffered from poverty, violence, ignorance, and besides that, alcohol was the main problem. If you would go to Almolonga 20 years ago in the morning, 7 a.m., and walk the streets of Almolonga, you would have encountered many, many men just lying on the street because they were totally drunk. We had many jails because there were so many problems. Chief of Police Donato Santiago recalls that people were always fighting. Officials built four jails, but even they couldn't contain the problem. Overflow prisoners were routinely bused to a nearby city. Domestic violence was especially pronounced. I talked to a woman who said that her husband would, uh, if, she, if he didn't like the meal, that uh, she, she would uh, be beaten and just kicked out of the home. Pastor Mariano Rescaje, one of the key leaders of Al Malonga's spiritual turnaround, has similar memories. I was raised in misery. My father sometimes drank for 40 to 50 straight days. We never had a big meal, only a little tortilla with a small glass of coffee. My parents spent what little money they had on alcohol. In an effort to ease their suffering, many townspeople made pacts with folk deities like Pascual Bailon, the Lord of Death, and Mashimon, a powerful patron saint. Uh, Mashimon, he was the most important idol in Almolonga. When the Spaniards came to Guatemala 500 years ago, uh, they found that the indigenous people, they, they were willing to, to negotiate certain things. But there was one thing they were not willing to, to do any deal about, and that was Mashimo. That was too important an idol for them. This syncretism created a powerful stronghold. Although Mashimon took on the form of a wooden mannequin, the spirit behind the idol held tenacious power over the people of Almolonga. It's just a wooden mask, but it's very powerful, a terrible stronghold that binds people. During these dark days, the gospel did not fare well. Outside evangelists were commonly chased away with sticks or rocks, while small local house churches were also stoned. Evangelical Christians were a despised minority. 
On one occasion, six men shoved a gun barrel down Mariano's throat. As they began to pull the trigger, he silently petitioned the Lord for protection. When the hammer fell, nothing happened. Delivered from death, Pastor Riscaje called his small flock into prayer. It was time to break the stranglehold of violence, superstition, and poverty. As the intercessors lifted their petitions heavenward, they were filled with a supernatural faith. We told the Lord, it is not possible that we could be so insignificant when your word says we are heads and not tails. We kept fasting three or four days a week and every Saturday we held a prayer vigil. And that was what I think opened the door. People started to be delivered, men started to be saved and come to church. It was a tremendous, tremendous blessing. A revival, I would call it. And then after uh, many signs and wonders started taking place and, and uh, a lot of mass deliverances from demonic oppression, um, churches started growing. Is it true to die? That when people pray, cloudless skies will break, kings and queens will shake. Yes, it's true, and I believe it. One dramatic healing involved a woman named Teresa. A botched medical procedure had led to the onset of gangrene. Her internal organs were literally rotting. I was in a lot of pain, so much that I couldn't walk. My whole body was paralyzed and I couldn't even eat or talk. She was very sick and her condition got worse with every passing day. There was nothing we could do, so we decided to arrange her funeral because there was no hope for her. The house was filled with family members and neighbors had gathered outside. Everyone thought she was dying. The smell of death was everywhere. They called me to arrange the funeral, and on the way there, the Lord told me to pray for her. So I just went up to her bed and said, In the name of Jesus Christ, get up. And she rose up instantly with no sickness in her body. I felt a warmth, and I saw a bright light above me. Then I opened my eyes, and I saw the pastor. I rejoice before the Lord for my healing, and I give thanks to God for my life. After they saw the miracle, my mother and all my brothers and sisters were converted. With such dramatic testimonies, hundreds began giving their hearts to Christ. When people saw that the gospel started changing lives, they started taking note. People started uh, um, becoming more and more attracted to the gospel because they saw the, the transformation in individual lives. Now there are more than two dozen evangelical churches in Almalonga, a town of just 19,000. Mariano Riscaje's El Calvario Church seats 1,200 and is nearly always packed. But the Holy Spirit's presence has not been measured by church growth alone. A walk through Almalonga's bustling commercial district reveals the impact of the revival's social transformation. Streets and buildings are named after biblical places. If foreigners find this public display of faith extraordinary, Mariano sees it as perfectly natural. How can you say that you love God if you don't show it? Didn't Paul say, I am not ashamed of the gospel? 
where once Al Malanga was peppered with bars or cantinas, 36 in all. Now there are only three. And as the drinking stopped, so did the violence. For 20 years, the town's crime rate has declined steadily. In 1994, the last of Al Malanga's four jails closed. The remodeled building is now called the Hall of Honor. For Police Chief Santiago, these are the good times. You don't have any jails in town now? No, because you don't need them? No, because there's no people that, that do trouble. <laughs> not like before. Even the town's agricultural base has come to life. For years, crop yields around Almalonga suffered from a combination of arid land and poor work habits. But as the people have turned to God, they have seen a remarkable transformation of their land. And Almolonga became a fertile valley. It is so fertile, the, the land is so, so good. They produce the best vegetables. They get as many as three harvests per year. They sell their vegetables to Guatemala, south of Mexico, and El Salvador. Before the spiritual turnaround, growers were exporting four truckloads of produce a month. Now they leave town 40 times a week. Nicknamed America's Vegetable Garden, Al Malanga's produce is of biblical proportions. You have to see them to believe. A bit is four and a half pounds. A carrot is this size. It is, it is just unbelievable. It... It's bigger than my heart. It's bigger It's the great grocer Intrigued by the dimensions of these vegetables and the town's 1,000% increase in agricultural productivity, researchers from the U.S. and other foreign countries have come to Almolonga to learn their secret. But the answer is not what they expected. The, the wisdom that God gave the farmers in Almolonga produced better crops than uh, the scientific methods yielded. And, um, uh, the farmers constantly give the glory to the Lord for um, producing the, the bountiful harvest. Before, when we harvested the radish, it would take up to 60 days. But when God came into town, it only took 40. And now, quite often, it only takes 25 days to harvest. You can see a parallel between the people's faith and improving soil. At the same time people started believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the vegetables started growing. Once people were set free, they started working. Once they began to work, they gained financially. They started working the land better, and the land started producing better. Farmers pay cash for large Mercedes trucks, and then emblazon them with Christian phrases. It is, it is wonderful, and it is the, the result of the gospel transforming the community. Idolatry and superstition have fled, leaving behind a people dedicated to fervent worship and honest labor. Traditional stoicism has given way to heartfelt exuberance. Or what you have is 20 uh, Protestant churches, very active, very militant, and uh, very involved in praise, worship, deliverance, and so on and so forth. Despite their success, believers in Almolonga have no intention of letting up. Many fast three times a week, 
and continue to assault the forces of darkness through prayer and evangelism. As neighboring towns celebrate the Day of the Dead, the people of Almalonga turn out in mass to honor the living God. The town's born-again mayor welcomed a crowd of almost 15,000 into the market square. They gathered to pray for a continued expansion of the gospel in their valley and around the world. The price we pay for this is holiness and consecration. Prayer and fasting gives us victories over principalities. It wasn't a theological preparation, it was simply throwing ourselves to the Lord. I think in many cases when we talk about community transformation, we have a battle with unbelief. Is our God and is the gospel powerful enough to truly impact our community? Almalonga teaches us yes. You had a community given to idolatry, witchcraft, alcoholism, disruptive families, and now you have a community transformed. And that's a good picture to us that yes, God can do it there and he can do it in my community. God has lifted us and we need to take advantage of this opportunity. We are a generation that God is going to use in the transformation, not only of our community, but the whole world. It is a beautiful spectacle to go and see the, the, the effect of the gospel, because you, you actually can see it. And that's what we want for our communities, for our cities, and for our nations. For the last hour, we followed the road to community transformation through neighborhoods on three continents. And along the way, our eyes have feasted on the handiwork of God in individual lives and entire social structures. And not one of these stories has been an aberration. Rather, uh, they're reflections of divine intent. They're the way things are supposed to be. Our journey has taught us that there are steps that we can and should be taking to position our communities for a visitation of the Holy Spirit. These include asking God to increase our appetite for the things that attract his presence, most notably unity and holiness and faith and humility. At the same time, we must cultivate a crop of persevering leaders whose collective vision for the community is watered by informed, sustained intercession. What God has done in Cali, Kiambu, Hemet, and Almalonga is indeed glorious, but it's only a hint of the story that is now breaking across the face of the earth. We lift up a shout, a victory shout. Amen. Powerful. Powerful. A lot of people could only project and see what's happening in Central America and Guatemala, Alamanga. But I wish that, that there would be the sensibility to say, you know something? I want to be a land that is fruitful and not barren. I want to have the impact. Um, one of the guys came over to my house like about um, probably a month and a half ago, two months ago. And, and he's just a, a laborer. He's, he's a worker here, and he was doing some uh, landscaping work in my backyard. He says, Pastor Molina, from the time I left your house, I have not gone, gone back to drinking. Two months. And he just told me two days ago. And, and, and Pastor Medeiros was a witness. They were, they were talking. He says, listen, I don't know what happened. Came into your yard did some work and 
you convicted my heart. I can't continue to live below the standard of my dignity as a man. And, and you know something? He's from Puebla, uh, Mexico. He's in, he's in uh, Miami. And, and I said, brother, you go back to Puebla and you be the town pastor. You go show those men what God has done in your life. So you got something to go back. And, and I wouldn't, you know, it's no different than what's happened with Pastor Medieros going back to Merida. That's how it happened. One man who is able to capture the vision of being the man in his vicinity. Uh, people should know you like that. Um, when Jesus came, and let's turn on the lights again, please. Uh, when Jesus came in Matthew 11, and he was asking, what should I compare in verse 16, this generation to? It's like children who don't get it. And they call out to their buddies, and they're all playing different things, but they're not doing, they're not doing what God wants them to do. So he says in verse 17, and this is, this is the mindset of a child. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not lament. Here's what, what it means here. I took Christianity to its lightest expression, where everything was a song and a dance, and you didn't, didn't go with you. And then I took Christianity to its most serious heartfelt, deliberate, intentional expression, and you did not resonate. In other words, God, if you show me a sign, I'll believe. And he shows you 50 signs. And you're still as much of an unbeliever as you were when you started. God, if you pull me out of this hole, then I'll really be your servant and we'll dance the wedding song. No. So he says, the expression of man, it doesn't matter what God has done. And, and God has done, how many were at Clarita's house this week? Anybody? Anybody want to share that testimony of a woman who has like three, Andrea, you want to come and share that? Three pumps in her. She has a bizarre, crazy, diabetic expression that, that she just passes out for years. And somebody invites her to Clarita's house, and the Lord heals her. And they remove one pump, and they remove two pumps, and they remove that third thing that's directly to 911. And she's eating cake. What's that woman thinking? I don't know, because I'm not a woman, and I wasn't there, but, but Andrea was there. And did you meet that woman? Did you see her? I did. Okay, you share the testimony. Um. Is it on? It's coming. Go ahead. Um, on Monday night, uh, we were all gathered at Clarita's house, and um, there's this lady that has been coming for a couple of months. Um, Lourdes invited her, and um, we see her, and we, like, without knowing her fully, you can start seeing the Lord's transformation in her life. She changed her hair color, the way that she dresses, so you know that there's something going on there. Um, so then um, she's coming, and then... We were praying, Leanne starts, and she says, we have a testimony tonight. So she comes up, and um, she starts sharing a little bit of her story. She was um, having problems with her diabetes, and her sugar level was like 3,000, something that's like abnormal, like unheard of. I had never heard such thing in my life. And she's telling us that 
she had been praying and that um, many of the um, women have been praying for her, that she's been coming to Clarita's house, and she's really had faith about, you know, that the Lord was really going to heal her. And she's telling us that she goes to get her test done, super scared. You know, she has like three tubes going on. It was literally like she couldn't drive in the streets. She had like uh, something connected that would literally dial 911 in case that she was driving. So she would be in the car, and if her husband and her Turn son the saw the saw the, the ambulance coming, they knew that she was going to have something going on. Um, so she was saying that one day she goes, gets her test done, and she's thinking, well, the doctors are going to tell me. I don't know what they're going to say. The tests are going to come. And she had eight um, fried eggs in the morning or something like that. And then she says, I went to the doctor. I took my test. I was scared. I didn't know what was going to happen. From 3,000, it went down to like 90. Then she says she went to the doctor again. And from 90, it went down to like 40. And then from the 40, it went down to like 20. So every She's time dead because she it's not supposed to go below 90. <laughs> well, she said that it was really low, right? Um, huh? Right. And so she's been telling us. And the funny thing is that when she goes to the doctor, right before she goes, she has a lot of food. And it's usually like fried food. So it, it was crazy because she was like, I don't understand. And all her doctors were amazed because they were like, what's going on here? You had your blood sugar up to 3,000. And now, or 7,000, I don't know what she said. And, and. She's dead again. <laughs> no, but it was like, a, it was 1,000, right? 1,200, okay. That's really high. So, That's like 10 times the normal limit. So, yeah, but. She killed her twice. <laughs> um, but it, she was super happy and she came and she shared about it and she was saying miracles do happen. And, and that was a miracle for her life. And she was um, sharing with us that she doesn't have any tubes connected to her. 911 doesn't have to be on top of where her blood sugar is anymore. So it was really awesome. Awesome. Give a big hand to the Lord. Listen, since we've been at this for a long time, 30 years, walking with the Lord, miracles continue to happen, but it doesn't change people. You're going to see that the blind are like, oh, I couldn't see. Now I can see. They still don't honor God at that capacity. Miracles do not make people get closer to God. Um, and so that, that is fascinating. But here, these men say in verse 17, we played the flute for you, Jesus says, and you did not dance. We mourned and you did not lament. Verse 18. For John came eating and drinking, neither eating nor drinking. John the Baptist came, and he was, his consecration was so deliberate. His devotion was so emphatic. You could see the man had a relationship with God, and it didn't move anybody because they responded to his radical devotion as he has a demon. You know, something's weird. Going, why is he so serious with God? And so they said he has a demon. Verse 19 says, Jesus came and his expression was jovial. He hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes. And, um, and the Bible says the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Not such a radical consecration. Not so intense. Um, and you said, look, a glutton and a wine by, uh, uh, yeah, a wine taster, whatever. And uh, a friend of tax collectors. Who would hang out with a tax collector with the IRS, IRS agent, not many, but Jesus would. Um, and sinners, 
and, and you said he was too liberal. You know, so some of you guys say, I don't like that church because they, they sing too much. I don't like that other church because they don't sing at all. And I don't like the church because they have air conditioner and comfortable seats. I don't like that one because it has bricks. And they, they Listen to me. The bottom line is we are not living like God wants us to live. We're not changing the city of Miami. That's what God wants. God wants this to be our alma longa. As, as people begin to share the testimonies of what God is doing in our midst. Um, and so you're part of this city. I showed a picture of a friend of mine. Uh, I went to his office yesterday. And, and I said, you know something? Uh, let me just show you a picture. And I pulled up this picture. And I said, you know what this is? And he's like, no, I don't know what that is. I go, this is our city. And you know what, what it means to have a city like this? And he says, no, I don't know what it means to have a city like this. It means that this city of ours called the city of Miami that we're living in is not so people could see Henry Flagler down the middle of the city, a man who lived for his own glory. But we're in this city so people can say there's a God in heaven. The city of Miami. You're in it. You are responsible to be an Abraham looking not for a terrestrial terrain and glory, but that you might shine in this city like a son of the Most High. That your faith moves. That your faith moves the city with healing with good news, with hope, with faith, with love. Let's stand tonight. And what the opposite is here in these people that they're neither here nor there. A lot of people don't even say who their God is, so they have no devotion to that God. They make up their own God. Verse 18, Jesus said these verse. Um, we already went through them. 18 is John. 19 is Jesus. 20. What did Jesus begin to do over the cities of his generation? He started going, hey, Boca Raton. Hey, West Palm Beach. Hey, Lakeland, Naples, Marco Island. He began to rebuke the cities. He began to call out the cities of his day. He says, you have seen my works. You know who I am. You've seen the transformation. The cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because it did not affect how they lived. The, these testimonies, we could bring up the lady with respect to the diabetic healing, but, but we could bring in, if, if you've been healed of infirmity in this place, could you raise your hand? If you used to be an alcoholic and you're not an alcoholic no more, if you were a drug addict, you're not a drug addict anymore. If you, were a, uh, if you had cancer, if you had asthma... And it disappeared. It's no more. See, the, he's done mighty works in our lives. If you didn't believe in God and now you believe in God, that's a mighty work. God lifted. He raised the dead. Somebody was dead spiritually, didn't believe in God, and now I believe in God. I believe that God exists. And so God has done mighty works here. And he begins to rebuke the cities, verse 21, because they would not follow his lead. Woe to you, Chorazin. That was a city in the area where he was living. Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty things that were done in your sight, 
were done in Tyre and Sidon. Now he goes to the Old Testament, to the cities that, that were, were judged and destroyed. If they would have been done, those cities would have repented long ago. What you guys are seeing and touching are supposed to transform this city. And the schools where your kids go and, 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 and the friends you hang out with, they, there should be like an entourage of people that have seen God's miracles in your life. And so that's how we transform the city. Verse 22. But I say to you, on the day of judgment, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in that day of judgment than for you. It's going to be more uh, lenient. Uh, verse uh, 23. You Capernaum. That's like sweet water right there. You little city that you saw me go by there and heal the blind. You saw me go by there and transform uh, divorces into marriages. We'll be brought down to hell. He literally, he says, you know something? Here's your address, my friend. Here, you, you don't want to be a world-changing city? Then here's your address in Hades. For if the mighty works were done in you, had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, where the Dead Sea exists, there's no life there. But if the miracles have been done in your life, would have been done in that time, it would have remained to this day. They would have turned to God by seeing what God has done in you. So we have, an we have a, a real serious responsibility to be faithful to our God. We have, we have an intense responsibility to to turn the way we live. We cannot live the same way we did before Jesus came across our path. We can't, we can't, we can't. God has opened our eyes. Well, I can see now I don't have to shoot myself in the head and commit suicide in, with regards to Kurt Cobain who said, I don't want to live no more because he didn't see anything. His darkness, darkness. And now we have light. Now we have to live as children of light. And show everybody the faithfulness we have to our God and King. Uh, immature people can't do that. Because they're unstable. They're, un they're not constant. They're all over the place. If somebody were to follow their footsteps, they'd be lost. Be lost. And we're not to be like that. This, this is a, a powerful night tonight. Um, this Amalonga is, is what God could do in a small city with... Uh, insignificant resources and and you know just the the national emblem of, of Israel is two men carrying a, a big fruit grapefruit uh, like grapes but they're the size of grapefruit has, has anybody seen a grape this big that's how it flows in the land of milk and honey the promises of God being fulfilled and so our lives are, are becoming like that uh, I, I always say that our family our children um, faith has brought us where we're at so when people denounce faith, I'm like, you don't have a clue. You don't have any idea. You're in darkness. You're in unbelief. You doubt. And God, if, if tonight there's people here that will turn their lives into an almolonga. I think he said one truck every four weeks or 40 trucks a week. One truck every four weeks or 40 trucks every week. 
That, that, that just short circuits our brain. It just How does God do that? Lift your eyes to the heavens. Start honoring God with all your being. One of my favorite verses, we'll put it up there just for you, it to become your favorite verses. First Timothy 4.15. It says, if you give yourself entirely over to God, if you meditate on these things and give yourself entirely over to Him, your progress will be evident to everybody. Why don't people see a big God? Because we're like, timeshare. I'll give you a little toe in my pinky. Well, why don't you give your whole being? Because I'm busy. I got a whole bunch of things I'm doing. Oh, good, good. You know what? People are going to see your glory and a little bit of glory of God. But if we give ourselves entirely, this was Paul is telling Timothy, consider these things. Let it bug you. Let you not sleep tonight so that you can give yourself entirely to God so that everyone will see your progress and it will be evident. Father, thank you tonight for your word. Thank you for the gathering of those who believe. Thank you for the coming together of those who serve you faithfully. Thank you for encouraging our faith tonight. Thank you for pouring a measure of grace that we can see the things Abraham saw that caused him to move, not in the sure terrain of the earth, but in the tents across the land to form a city whose maker and builder is God, that our lives would not be put together by scotch tape, oh God, by duct tape, but by your goodness and mercy, that you hold all things together by the goodness of your grace. Prosper every family represented here, Lord. Let us hear your voice. Let us listen with our hearts. Let us fulfill our devotion to you as you are worthy. We don't want to be heard of as Chorazin and Capernaum and Bethsaida. Woe, woe, woe. Judgments because of the mighty works that were done in them and it didn't move their hearts. Their devotion was no stronger after than it was before. Give us grace, give us mercy, fill us with your love and allow us to serve you entirely with our entire being for the days are evil and short is the time upon the earth, O God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Go say hello to somebody. Introduce yourself. The cafeteria is open. And I'll see you here on Sunday, ready to receive from the Lord. God bless you.